CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, we got to get down to business. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinist and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, May 7th, 2020. Lord knows when you're listening to this show, it's a podcast. You could be listening it a thousand years from now. So hello, everybody. Uh, I usually ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves, but since I have two guests, I'm going to take the opportunity to introduce them. There's uh, Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, my colleague at The Reader and our Indivisible champion. She's going to do a brief Indivisible update and then a little reader news at the end. State Representative Kelly Cassie, as uh, we like to call her on the show, KC, is making a return. It's been a while since she's been on this show. She's such a big shot, man. Sometimes called her Wonder Woman. <laughs> and then she was like, sorry, Ben, I'm Wonder Woman. I'm too important to come on your show. Just kidding, Kelly. You did I not do that. I thought you just stopped calling. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're all doing our social you distance. You not love me anymore. No, I love you very much. You're one of my favorite state reps. You, and you're going to go, you tell you that to all the state reps. But Kelly, you got to see this, folks. No, I was actually going to say that's like saying I'm not your, your favorite toe fungus. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, the bar's not that low. Uh, we're, we're doing this on um, Zoom, which I can't stand. That's a whole other issue. Uh, but we'll get off the, uh, the video Zoom. But it, Kelly's uh, got a, a big Lori Lightfoot. Uh, what is that, a cutout or something in the background? It is. Uh, it's a, or a flat Lori for anybody who's ever had a second grader um, and dealt with the, the flat Stanley project. Uh, this is our flat Lori. Uh, she's wearing a Cubs jersey, which um, did not please Madam Mayor this morning on the Chicago delegation briefing with the mayor um, until I pointed out she asked us to hang jerseys in our windows uh, because we didn't have sports. So I just killed two birds with one stone and put the Cubs jersey on her. Uh, Kelly, don't get me started on <laughs> Justin Walker, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Lenny was alluding to him. He's the, uh, uh, the 37-year-old judicial nominee for one of the highest courts in the land. And I just want to start this one. I know I didn't prep you on this, Kelly, but I'm really trying to be <laughs> as uh, fair as I can to Republicans these days, or I'm really struggling with this, but the inconsistencies of the Republican Party. This is the same Mitch McConnell, if you recall, Kelly, who said uh, when it was uh, uh, Barack Obama filling a, a vacancy with Merrick Garland, a Supreme Court vacancy, that we should, we let, we should let the people decide and uh, wait till the November 2016 election. And now here he is shoving this uh, Justin Walker down our throats. Where were we, uh, six months out? So, you know, the Republicans play it by a different set of rules, Kelly. That's how I view it. How do you view it? Well, I mean, it's, it's been a, quite, a, 
quite a while since Mitch McConnell has has appeared to give a damn about the truth, so um, or consistency or the rule of law. So uh, it, he no longer shocks me. Um, but yeah, there is a there's a lot of hypocrisy happening right now, um, and and I I I'm frustrated just watching how partisan things are getting. Um, you know, the idea that that covering your face to not kill your mom or your grandmother has become a partisan issue is mind-boggling to me. Um, you know, the, the, that everything has to go through that filter for some of these folks is, is just bananas. All right, why don't we start there? Uh, we'll hold off on the discussion of cannabis. Uh, Kelly was the, uh, the one of the lead sponsors of the legalizing cannabis bill. And before we get into uh, the cannabis issue, let's talk about the partisan nature of politics. Well, let's do it. Stick uh, stick to Illinois. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, the governor, uh, is uh, leading us in the middle of this pandemic, uh, trying to figure out a way, Kelly, to protect uh, public safety and public health at the same time. You know, open up the state in a reasonable uh, date, and he's under siege more and more from Republicans who are saying that he's going too slow at opening the state. What's your uh, take on all this? It's incredibly frustrating. And again, you know, the the unwillingness to really, you know, use science as, as a guide and or to acknowledge that science matters uh, is, is, is stunning to me. Um, but I, I mean, I guess for a party that's um, pretended to be gynecologists, for the better part of my lifetime. I guess they're now epidemiologists, too. When you have your conversations, uh, that's Kelly Cassidy. She hasn't been on in a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, I knew there would be a gynecological joke uh, at some point or another. Um, I mean, I guess I should say obstetricians, but whatever. Yes, okay. Uh, all right. It, so you know Darren Bailey. You, I do. Yeah. So help us out. Uh, I've the first I've heard of Darren <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> well, the first I heard about him, he filed he filed a suit. We and I've talked about the suit ex, suit extensively, and he got some judge in Clay County to agree with him that he alone should be protected from the ramifications of Governor Pritzker's stay at home order. So he can go bowling if he can find a bowling alley that's open. Um, is there a reasonable side to Darren Bailey that we don't see in this lawsuit that you're aware of because you deal with him and you know at the on this at the state house so darian represents um there's a, a chunk of guys um and i think it's almost all guys um that that have this very um an agenda that i just can't understand why anybody would want to be you know the 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 leaders of, of, you know, we, we should uh, have a two-state solution or, you know, kick, kick Chicago out, kick Cook County out, divide it at I-80, pick, you know, they, they change their plans periodically. Um, but, you know, this this group that's referred to as the Eastern Bloc, I mean, they, they don't even agree with their own leadership half the time. Um, so he, he's, he's, he's a pretty contrary guy on the surface. I will say, you know, working with him, being around him, he's he's perfectly pleasant to be around. Um, but I could say that for you know people that I, uh, you know, others that I've never voted with either. Um, 
this this has gone a, a bit round the bend. Both he and Cabela's uh, suits and and their their the way they're pushing for this. Um, it's it, it's dangerous, and you know I don't know if they're ever going to really reflect enough to look back and realize that they put people in danger. Um, but the idea that that someone who wants to be a leader in their community would be openly advocating really really destructive behavior is is um, it's sad, frankly. Do you ever have private conversations? And I, I don't want you to divulge the details of private conversations, but do you ever have conversations with Republicans when you're passing through the hall where they acknowledge to you that they know it's all a game and that they're playing to a mob uh, and they don't really believe in the things that they're saying? Do you ever have anything remotely resembling that kind of conversation? I mean, it, it, I guess so. I mean, I don't know that anybody's ever said it's all a game, but um, you know, there is acknowledgement, you know, you represent your wing, I represent my wing kind of thing. I mean, I think many of those guys would look at me and think I'm putting on an act too by, um, you know, embracing a, a, such a progressive agenda. Um, so I, I do try to use that lens, honestly, when I deal with them, um, you know, acknowledge that they probably wonder the same things about me that I often wonder about them. Um I would hope that this circumstance would have qualified to be outside that spectrum of whether it's a game or playing to your base or whatever. Um, you know, th this is very real. The, the communities that some of these folks represent have the highest infection rates per capita. Um, they're really playing a very dangerous game with people's lives. And, you know, I, I hope that we come out of this without another outbreak, but you know, every day, every day that somebody is emboldened to ignore the order because people that are perceived to be leaders of the state are saying that it's a hoax is another day that someone else can be put in, in grave danger. Do you have a sense of what you need to see before you would think it would be a good idea to uh, start opening up the state? Like, what kind of indicators do you want to see before you sign on to opening up the state? Well, I mean, I, I think that what the governor has described in tandem with Dr. Azike and the, and the rest of the medical professionals um, is, is a smart and thoughtful and, frankly, very flexible plan. He, he says over and over and over again, when the factors change, we'll change the game plan. If we get a, an effective treatment, if we have an early vaccine, if we find significant immunity, th those are all possible in a shorter time frame than the than the the phases plan, if you will. Um, but for me, I'm trusting science. I'm trusting the doctors who who know how this disease works better than anyone else, and none of us really know how how it works. Um, and so, you know, my my plan is to to listen to the science. All right, uh, uh, Jim Durkin weighed in uh, yesterday. I think it was Jim Durkin. Of course, is. Uh, the minority leader in the House. He's the, the leading Republican in the House. Uh, and this is how I view it, uh, Kelly, and feel v free to vigorously disagree with me on this one. Um, Jim Durkin is a representative from Elmhurst, which is in DuPage County, something you know a little bit about. DuPage County used to live there many years ago. I did, I did. And DuPage County is what they call what? They call it purple these days. It's um, been yes. tr trending Democrat. They now have two 
Democratic Congress people. You got uh, Sean Caston, Lauren Underwood, whose districts go in and out of DuPage County. Uh, Democrats have made inroads in the county board. Uh, it is clear. I think Hillary Clinton won DuPage County yes. in 2016. So playing to the MAGA hat crowd, playing to the folks who showed up at the Thompson Center with their uh, signs with the Nazis, the swastika on it, is not really the ticket to success for Republicans in DuPage County. That's just me speaking. Yeah, it's not, not the strategy. I, yeah, I don't think I'd embrace that strategy either. Yeah. I will say that um, Leader Durkin um, has to balance a um, really walk a very fine line um, and balance those interests, those concerns, which I think are very real. And I, I, I think that, um, you know, areas like DuPage, uh, it is a risky play. Um, but he's got to keep his pockets together and he's got to deal with, um, you know, this, this uh, sort of rump group within his caucus who are, you know, super, super Trumpy and, um, you know, are, are the ones that are bringing the lawsuits, are the ones saying, you know, I'm going to church, you know, uh, as if no ministers have died for defying the order. I mean, that's like, I can't remember how many times I've heard that story that, you know, the minister who said that God was going to protect his flock dies of COVID. Um, so, you know, he's trying to balance that, and maintain his position of leadership in his caucus, um, while it is pretty splintered in itself. Um, so, you know, he, that's the calculation he's making. Um, you know, what, what's, what's saying bold play, Cotton? Uh, <laughs> you know, let's see how that works out. Um, because I, I think you're right. You point out, um, you know, a, a really important piece. All of the seats we picked up last last cycle were in DuPage. I think that we're poised for, um, you know, potentially more uh, in some of those seats as well. And so my frustration, and I, and I say this admittedly, Kelly, I've, uh, I've been a Democrat my whole life. And half the time I'm mad at the Democrats uh, as anybody who's read my columns knows, but I've been, a, I vote Democrat. So I'm viewing this as a, basically, uh, a liberal lefty Democrat. But my frustration is I don't see people like Durkin standing up to the MAGA hat crowd and telling them you've gone too far. You're endangering public health. What? I mean, there's things that he said that we'll get into, which I think are legitimate criticisms of Pritzker and of Madigan for not uh, uh, bringing the House back, etc. But the unwillingness of the leader of the Republican Party, whose base, whose, whose district is in a purple district where people probably are more likely to agree with Pritzker than they are to agree with Darren Bailey, his unwillingness to stand up to people who are so disrespectful to science and so quick to endanger public health is disturbing to me because it just sort of illuminates in my mind how unwilling Republicans are to defy the Trump base. Do you think I'm being unfair to Jim Durkin? Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll point back to what I said about, you know, he's trying to, to walk a, a fine line and, and remain uh, in that leadership role. Um, that's, that's a piece of being a caucus leader is, you know, how much can you push without getting pushed out? And, um, 
you know, I, I would say that, you know, given how fractured that caucus is, it, that's a real risk. Um, you know, I think that to a lesser extent, you know, every caucus leader has to has to walk that fine line, you know, between member management and maintaining control. All right, well, let's get into the kernel of what I think is a legitimate issue that Jim Durkin raised. Uh, and he was critical of Michael Madigan, and he was critical of uh, Pritzker. He thinks Pritzker has uh, gone too far in the direction of, of executive authority, and he wishes that Michael Madigan would convene uh, the legislature, or the House anyway. Uh, what's your thoughts on those issues? Well, I mean, I wish that we could convene as well. You know, I... Um... I, I like legislating. I love the work. I love getting things done. Um, I, I have uh, thought several times uh, in the last couple months about how when people would ask me last year after the end of uh, the session that I had with all the bills I passed, what are you going to do for a follow-up? And I would joke, I'm going to phone it in. I'm going to sleep through session. I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to take it easy next year. Things like that uh, as a you know laugh it off kind of way to not have been a real answer to how do you follow a session like that. And now here I am quite literally phoning it in. Um, but, you know, even Jim's quote said with approval from public health authorities, and we don't have that, yeah. you know, like that's the reality. I would love for us to be doing our work. I have a lot of legislation that I would wanted to be pressing this year. I am a, I'm, I'm a, budgeteer and appropriations chair, I would like us to be having a much more vigorous discussion of the budget than, than is really possible via Zoom. You know, it's kind of hard. We can all stare at the spreadsheet while we're staring at our screens, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, a little, it's a little tougher um, than when you're in a room together and you can really get down to brass tacks about what can stay and what can go. Um, so I, I'm eager to get back to work as well. Let's be clear, we're working. Um, I, I actually feel like my days are longer under stay at home than they have been uh, in years. Um, we are, you know, we've got aggressive work group schedules. We've got aggressive appropriations committee schedules. Um, and honestly, the best thing that the folks who want us to be able to get back together could be doing is, is to participate more earnestly in those processes so that when we do go back, presuming that we're not going to go back for a, a whole length of time, we'll probably just be in. Uh, for a short window to get the, the must-done stuff done, um, you know, we're trying to get that stuff queued up so that it won't require us to be there um, exposing each other uh, for for excessive amounts of time. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my request to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle is fewer Zoom press conferences and more engagement in our Zoom working group. All right. Now, uh, since you mentioned appropriations and budgets, uh I have to ask you, do you have, is there any sense of the damage to the budget caused by uh, the pandemic? Do you have any sense of what the, what the bill will be ultimately? Um, we have a sense, um, but there are a lot of things that we don't have yet. Um, we are looking at a close to $7 billion hole, and that assumes passage of the, the Fair Tax Amendment. Um, that also doesn't account for any possible um, additional uh, uh, revenue support from uh, another federal relief package. So, you know, hopefully uh, that will come and, and, and relieve a little bit of the pressure. 
Um, but we are we are looking at potential cuts of up to you know thirty percent, thirty plus percent. Um, which you know just in one of my agencies alone, that's closing ten corrections facilities. Um, you know this is this is a scale that nobody's seen in a very very long time. Even the folks who were around during the recession um, and and the the challenges that they had on the budget front, they they now look back on that fondly as we stare down this hole. Yeah, no, this is this is the, the most serious crisis. Uh, that I can tell you from the last 40, well, my entire lifetime, and I'm an old guy, so this is the biggest crisis. I applauded Don Harmon, by the way. I've said this uh, on the air uh, many times. I applauded St- Senator Don Harmon for trying to get the feds uh, to bail us out on the uh, pension. I don't understand why it's so shocking that Illinois would turn to the feds for a bailout. All the major industries do. Through, the, through their incompetence of their CEOs who get uh, – give themselves uh, bonuses and when they go broke Kelly they have f- they're they don't feel any uh compulsion not to go to the feds with the hands out so I supported Harmon on that I know it's probably very politically incorrect for you to say that you agree with me in that one what's your position on, on what Don Harmon did the Senate president when he asked for the feds to help us with our pension problems you know I I hear what you're saying, and when you put it in that context, why is Illinois, uh, you know, more culpable than the entire banking industry? Um, yes, uh, good, I, good point. I, 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 yeah, um, the 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 reality, though, I think at this point is that we all need to be rowing in the same direction and working in concert. Um, and and so, from that perspective, um, I understand the criticism. Um, I also understand that you know every every act matters um and and so you know using his voice uh to advocate for the state for his caucus is is his job um i i would like to see more coordination between all of us and that's not on him that's on all of us all of our caucuses all right fair enough uh you could see why i wouldn't last for like two days down in springfield all right kelly let's move on <laughs> it's a wonder i have <laughs> yeah i yeah. uh let's let's move on to the you were a frequent guest on my show we were talking about the climate in springfield in terms of uh, the way women are treated and uh you you were outspoken uh in the for the need to change that atmosphere that climate uh in springfield and protect women who come forth with their tales of being uh, harassed, their accusations of harassment and assault even. Uh, And there's been some changes in Springfield and in the Democratic Party. And as I say this, there are uh, two cases, prominent cases, regarding uh, the presidential candidates, the one, Tara Reid's accusations against Joe Biden and uh, E. Jean Carroll. She doesn't get much attention, uh, but E. Jean Carroll is a pretty successful writer and wrote for Elle magazine for years at Vice Columnist, and uh, her accusation is that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, raped her. Uh, so what do you make of all this? Uh, and uh, what's your general attitude about the accusations from uh, each of these women? So, I mean, I think that it is, you know, not surprising that folks are so unwilling to come forward when, the risk is so great of being eviscerated for it. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that we can acknowledge each of each woman's truth um, as they come forward. And, and if we were in a space where we could trust 
that a vetting process was going to be applied fairly, then it would be fine to say this person's been debunked, right? But we've we've done so much to discredit people um, and and have folks start from way behind that um, the, the <clears throat> it's certainly not a level playing field for anyone. Um, and I also think that it's okay to say I believe Tara Reid and say that I support Joe Biden and want him to do better and want him to put his money where his mouth is um, in the way that he chooses a running mate, in the way that he builds a cabinet, in the way that he, um, he leads. Um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about the capacity for redemption. Um, you know, folks can come back from past errors. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for uh, criminal, criminal justice reform specifically from that perspective, it would be inconsistent of me to not say the same um, folks that perhaps have uh, some some uh, sexist behavior in their history. Um, but that involves seeking redemption and acting towards redemption. I know you were a supporter of Elizabeth Warren. I believe you're a delegate, right? Do I have that right? You were. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, was, I, I was a slated delegate, yeah. Um, and I actually think I voted for you even though I supported Bernie, but Yay. I got to vote for whoever I wanted to <laughs> was for delegates. Um, so, all right. I voted for a couple of Bernie delegates too. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Bernie delegate and I'm still dealing, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working it through it, uh, that he lost. I threw out a, a compromise in my last column in the reader. I think everybody who's been accused of sexual, uh, assault or in the case of Trump rape should step down. And that means Biden should step down and Elizabeth Warren should be named to replace him uh, as the nominee. Trump should step down, which means Warren would run against Pence. And Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh should step down. And the next president of the United States, the winner of November, gets to pick those two Supreme Court seats. What do you think of my proposal? (laughs) I'll have what you're having. Um, yeah. I mean, if it results in Elizabeth Warren being president, I am all over it. Um, you know, I, I think that um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, like, it, in all seriousness, the the, the I, I, I hate the step down demand because nobody's ever going to really do that. Yes. You know, the, it, it's always so frustrating. Um, uh, I, I'd rather just beat him fair and square. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. That, that I would, presumes fair and square is going to happen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that'll be something uh, well, Lenny and I will be talking about at great length for a long time. Uh, the unfairness, the 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 need to, to do mail-in, uh, allow uh, uh, more uh, ballot access and uh, throughout this election, because this fair and square is going to be a very difficult thing. Um, all right. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so uh, since I raised the issue Elizabeth Warren and I raised the issue of uh, Joe Biden, you raised the issue of Joe Biden's running mate. Do you have a favorite that you would like to see Joe Biden pick? You know what? I don't. I mean, I, obviously, I love Warren. Um, I, I, I don't know that there's anyone. There are a lot of others that I like. I don't know that anyone else sort of rises yet. Um, but I think the process is underway. There's some interesting folks out there. Um, you know, that, that woman from Michigan might be fun. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think that he's got a, a, an embarrassment of riches and choices. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what direction he goes. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was pushing for Stacey Abrams, but uh, I just have the feeling right now, Kelly, that she is not going to get it. For some reason, I think it's going to be Kamala Harris. That's if I had to put money in Vegas. That's who I think uh, he will. Start. Yeah, I can see that. I, I like Stacey Abrams a lot. I think she's uh, the, the, the shift that she took of campaigning for it was a good signal that she probably wasn't getting it. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I sort of shifted away from watching her as much. Um, Harris would be an interesting choice. Uh, obviously, not something that's going to thrill the folks to to the left. Um, but I like her. Yeah, uh, I am on the left, and I would be thrilled. I was actually drinking the uh, Kamala Kool Aid early in the process. Uh, I was the last summer. I was sort of oh yeah, I liked how she went after Joe Biden in that first debate, uh, Kelly. And then yeah, that was good. Yeah, she went I, strong. I, I didn't with her for a while yeah yeah uh, and i am on the left so uh there's at least one lefty who likes her all right uh let's close it with cannabis uh the early numbers are in from the first what four months of legalization and guess what kelly cassidy cannabis is popular in the state of illinois who knew people like their weed <laughs> it's amazing yeah yeah you know, it's, it's been it's been an interesting rollout um it's you know having the, the crisis land in the middle of it all has, has made it a little more challenging um, because instead of like looking to fine tune, we're looking to address, uh, you know, issues that come up that have come up as a real result of this. Um, but uh, I, I think folks are getting by pretty well. The supply chain issues are starting to settle out. Um, uh, so, so I think that uh, I, I will say in the last few months, I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Thank God I legalized weed, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I've heard from a lot of people that this has been a good, good bit of their coping strategy. Um, you know, and frankly, at a time when every other revenue generator for the state is uh, shut down or uh, severely uh, constricted. Uh, sales are going great guns at the at the dispensaries. Um, folks are doing a pretty good job of prioritizing um, ways that patients can get in there safely. Um, you know, we've tried to relax the rules a little bit to make that a little easier for them as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the, the sales numbers uh, continue to amaze me. Uh, Kelly, what are some of the greater challenges that you see going forward? Some of the sort of the the problems that you would like to see addressed going forward? Sure. So, I mean, again, this is COVID related. You know, we delayed the release of the, the uh, new 75 new dispensary licenses, which would have been the first opportunity to, to really examine whether, uh, how the social equity process uh, works. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we delayed uh, the deadline and we put on the deadline for the application for craft and, and transport and user licenses. So, you know, we've really set everything back in terms of the ability to examine this new blueprint. I mean, what we, what we're doing in Illinois hasn't been tried anywhere else. And, you know, the whole country uh, as, as states are looking to legalize, is looking at, you know, looking to us for that data, for that affirmation. Um, you know, the, obviously, you know, workloads being what they are, it had to happen. The delay had to happen. But um, 
you know, that's going to be a challenge because every time that, that then pushes off our ability to do a, a meaningful disparity study, which puts off our ability to revise a licensing scheme uh, to reflect it. So, you know, that these will, these will pass. Um, you know, it's not just a few week delay um, in, in letting somebody know whether or not they want a license. It's, a, it is a rolling delay to our whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something we're going to be dealing with for some time to come. Um, you know, looking at any potential expansions um, that would that were that folks were resistant to um, because we didn't have enough track records. Those things are going to get pushed off too. Uh, so, so you know, it's really. Just as we talk about the economy, it's going to be going to take some time to recover. This will too, um, you know, to, to get back on track. Uh, we had a, a representative Sonia Harper, one of your colleagues, on the show uh, not too long ago, and she was urging the passage of a bill that would allow for delivery of cannabis. Of see how good I am. By the way, I call it cannabis. You got to give me credit. I've been like really trained to call it cannabis. Uh, but to, uh, for <laughs> I, so old habits are hard to break. Uh, but I have been calling it cannabis. Uh, so, I appreciate that. so what do you think that's a, there's a good chance that that could pass as well? You know, that's one, I think that that's definitely a when, not if I don't know that it's a now, um, you know, a lot of the, it's the challenges we saw in other states with delivery um, were around the, the inability to do cashless transactions and the safety risks associated with that. Um, you know, that said, and I, I said this during the original bill um, uh, deliberation, uh, you know, I could go on Craigslist right now and find somebody who would bring weed to my door. Um, so, so, you know, that is, it, 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 it's a completely legitimate thing to want to do. I think that I, I again, it's one of the things I think about, like things that, that expansion things that we might have hoped to get to this year might be harder to get to because we don't have the um, the data that shows the sky didn't fall. Um, and and I think this is one of those. Just and again, this is not my uh, opinion of it. It's my read of the politics as I work through these issues with my colleagues. Um, and I just, I don't think that the, I don't think that the appetite for that one has changed dramatically, um, uh, in the, in the, you know, year, almost year, the bill originally. Yeah. It's probably not at the top of the list of priorities right now in the middle of the pandemic, but I definitely think it is a, a win, not if, uh, Kelly, thanks so but, much. But there's a huge yeah. argument for why we should be doing it now. I mean, that's one of the, and, and Sonia's done a representative Harper's done a great job of crafting it in that way of presenting it in that way. Um, you know, patients really want home delivery so that they don't, uh, run the risk of being exposed to, uh, folks and when they, you know, have preexisting conditions. Um, there are a lot of really good reasons to do it that are made more um, sharp or brought into sharper focus uh, by by the pandemic. Um, but I, I just don't know that it changes the politics of it for getting to 60 and 30. 60 and 30. Those are the magic numbers. Uh, yeah. And uh, and also the jobs aspect. That was one of the things that Sonia was uh, when she came on the show was really uh, hammering hard. Anything that can promote uh, equity in this business. Uh, which, you know, we used to talk about this all the time at the outset when you were uh, just starting on this this effort to get uh, marijuana legal in the state of Illinois, how unfair it is that black people are arrested and for something that white people do all the time. And so 
once again, the frust- I feel that one of the frustrations is, is that even now, okay, so we're not arresting people, it's legal, so much of the business is controlled by white people. <laughs> so it's, that was one of the other points that Sonia Harper was hammering home when she Oh, and it's a very real point. I mean, again, not wrong. And of course, it's still currently controlled by the same people who were controlling it under the medical program that was written without equity in it. Um, but we didn't get to release the licenses. I, I, I was really looking forward to May 1 um, because it was, that was going to be my Christmas morning. Um, seeing, uh, you know, the, 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 the makeup of the, the folks that got those licenses. Um, and, and, you know, it's, so Christmas is postponed. Um, but, uh, you know, everything we do to expand this industry has to go through that lens of equity. And that includes how we stand up delivery, whether that is, you know, a freestanding business or, a service provided by an existing retailer, but with some sort of equity component uh, pitched into it. Um, I think that any time we expand, we have to expand through that lens. All right, Kelly Cassidy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and stay safe and sane and sound in this pandemic, all right? Thank you, y'all too. Good talking to you. All right, Lenny. Uh, let, why don't you give us the updates on uh, Indivisible, what's going on that people should know on the Indivisible carol, calendar, so to speak. Okay, so Indivisible is a part of a network of grassroots group that popped up after Donald Trump got elected. A lot of the leaders of the Indivisible movement are from the women's marches. And we have Indivisible Illinois, which I'm a part of, and also Indivisible IL-9, um, and we are banded together to help elect um, elect uh, progressive bold leaders. Um, I'm really happy that Jan Schakowsky is my um, my congressperson, um, along with Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth, and and they represent me. So um, there are a couple things that we are looking at right now. There is the CARES Act that's coming up, the next CARES Act. Um, and there are four things that we want people to remember about it. Uh, we want our representatives to vote for um, bills that support these things. They w- this bill needs to keep people on payrolls, so stop mass layoffs and preserve employment relationships uh, for all businesses, including the small businesses. And I know that um, Ben, your wife, has a small business. I have a small business, too, and we're trying to figure out if we're going to be able to survive this. Chicago Reader is actually a small business, so we're all we're all uh, looking to survive. Um, so we're looking for uh, federal dollars to go to workers and small businesses, not just enri- enriching the CEOs and Wall Street. Two, we want to provide financial relief, and that includes expanding aid for the most vulnerable, including direct cash assistance, increased increase food aid, debt relief, and eviction protections. Three, we want to protect public health. You know, this is something that, that our party wants to do, um, but we at Indivisible, we're asking for full health coverage for COVID-19 care and protections for all frontline workers. And then lastly is we need to defend our elections. Uh, we remember what happened in, in Wisconsin just a few weeks ago, and we, we see those pictures. Uh, we need to enact a vote-by-mail requirement for 2020 federal elections while maintaining access to in-person voting for those who do not have access to mail voting. So Congress needs to ensure that the next package provides relief to every person in this country, regardless of tax 
or immigration status, age, or disability. So regarding vote by mail in Illinois, um, we were a part of the national um, Twitter storm, virtual uh, virus free voting. So, um, and that happened last Thursday. It was amazing. Uh, we trended like in the top 40 on Twitter. I know you're there, Ben, on Twitter. Um, so uh, virus revoting is a hashtag we're going to continue to use moving forward. And uh, we know that um, we cannot allow disenfranch disenfranchisement of voters to happen in November. Um, and we know that needs to happen by acting locally. So we're asking people to I ask all of your legislators, including your state legislators, I'm going to call my, my state legislator, including Kelly Cassidy, um, I'm going to call Governor Pritzker and thank him for the great job that he's doing right now to keep us safe. But we're also going to call election officials, including the Illinois State Board of Elections, to remove any barriers to receiving, tracking, and returning an absentee ballot. So we have over 100, we have 108 jurisdictions in Illinois. Uh, we need all of them to include envelopes with prepaid postage for all voters, okay? So we need to expand vote by mail by sending all registered voters a postage paid ballot, not just an application, but a ballot, and establish safeguards to protect voters. We need to extend early person voting so not everyone has to vote on election day. We need to adopt or expand online and same-day voter registration, and we need to take regulated measures to protect the health of voters and poll workers. And then lastly, we need to conduct voter education campaigns to inform the public of new practices and immediately quash disinformation that it arises. I always look to Governor Cuomo and how he explained how they had to um, deal with the health crisis. You know, they're a little a bit ahead of us in Chicago, but they basically put together a de facto public health care system, which did not exist before, that included all the private and, and, and public health care facilities. They have to work together. And this is the same that needs to happen for our um, election, um, uh, uh, our election authorities in Illinois. And also beyond, um, we have 108 and we need to all get together at least to uh, explain to our, um, our voters in Illinois that there are ways to vote safely. We need safe, secure, and accessible elections, and that includes vote by mail. Uh, and Lenny, so the one thing that's happened, yeah. No, I was going to say the last time on your show you were talking, we talked a lot about the, the elections in Wisconsin. There's another election in Wisconsin that uh, indivisible people should know about. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, Wednesdays, we have our working Wednesdays. And so this Wednesday, uh, we got together. There were 17 of us in the middle of the day. It was 10 o'clock in the morning, but we were there with our uh, with a representative from the Wisconsin Democrats. Um, and we got together to, to learn about Trisha Zunker. So Trisha Zunker is um, running for Wisconsin CD7, the special elections that is happening um, Tuesday, May 12th. So this is all the way the northernmost part of Wisconsin. This is um, this is a district that went twice to Obama and then went to Donald Trump. This is also they there are very um, important local um, local um, districts in there too that we need to preserve. So we got together. We learned about um, Trisha Zunker. I'll tell you about her um, opponent. Her opponent uh, poses pre-existing conditions and protections. He gutted union rights. 
voting in favor of Act 10, and he accepts out-of-state corporate PAC money and is well-funded by the Koch brother family. He received an A-plus rating from the NRA, and he's also a strong supporter of President Trump. Now, Trisha Zunker is a member of the Ho-Chunk uh, tribe, and she is for campaign finance reform. She's refused corporate PAC money, She's and she's chosen chosen to fully represent the people of Wisconsin, which is what people need right now. They need real representation. She believes in public lands protection, clean air and water, and equitable solutions to the climate crisis. She protects, She wants to protect workers' rights. She's um, endorsed by Wisconsin AFL-CIO, and she supports small and mid-sized dairy farmers advocating for federal policy. Um, and also, she supports quality, affordable health care and prescription drugs. So we got together on Wednesday. We did phone banking with her so even in this moment even as we are physically distancing we are not socially distancing we're getting together and we're um we're working locally to elect um Trisha Zunker in Wisconsin CD7 and also calling these voters who've never been reached out before um so they we do not even know how they um they vote but they appreciate anybody reaching out and asking them um if they know that there's a special election going on in um, November today, actually, in uh, in uh, eight minutes is um, the deadline to request a mail-in ballot. Um, after today, we're going to be chasing ballots to make sure that they actually voted. So, if you are interested in helping Trisha Zunker, you can find her on my Trisha Zunker for Wisconsin um, CD7. Look behind me; I've got Tracy Bain. <laughs> but please, everybody, if you could. Um, just uh, think on that. If you want, Donald, so we and individuals have three things to do. We want to hold the House, including protecting Lauren Underwood and Sean Caston, those congressional districts that we helped flip in 2018. Um, we want to flip the Senate. You know that, um, Ms. McConnell, we need to... We need to hold them accountable. Right now, you know what's happening in D.C. is they called the Senate back not to help protect us right now in this pandemic. No, they want to push through their uh, friends and, um, and completely um, uh, the vote this week is all about him. Um, and let's see, you, and actually, Ben, you could talk about it a little bit more, but this guy, Walker, um, he made it through the ju Judiciary Committee yesterday. And then um, today or tomorrow, they're going to have a full Senate vote. This guy is uh, very young, 37 years old. He's part of the Federalist Society. He's Mitch McConnell's best friend or whatever. But um, basically, um, they are trying to do this um, while this pandemic is happening right now. And unfortunately, you know, that's a lifetime position. So I just um, ask everybody to pay attention to the November election. Ours in November, uh, where we need to get out the vote. We need to remind people in Wisconsin because that's the swing state we need to all um, help get out the vote for. Um, and we need to help um, understand that we can vote safely and securely. And it needs to be accessible to everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I talked at length about uh, Justin Walker yesterday. So anybody wants to check it out, uh, the show that ran on Thursday, I uh, went at length about Justin Walker and uh, Mitch McConnell's <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting change of heart when uh, it was uh, uh, President Obama filling a, uh, a, a Supreme Court vacancy with Merrick Garland. Mitch McConnell wanted to wait until after the presidential election because he wanted the people to have a hand in deciding who uh, filled that vacancy. Uh, then, of course, here we are with Donald Trump. And what I 
think it's his last few months in office. Mitch McConnell is uh, rapidly moving uh, to uh, shove this uh, Justin Walker down our throats. Uh, I was like, hey, man, why don't you wait till November and let the new president uh, uh, get to decide who uh, fills that vacancy. But uh, Mitch McConnell has his own way of doing things. He's all about power with Mitch McConnell. So uh, I think you're onto something, Lenny. I think he could be in trouble. Amy McGrath down in, in Kentucky is giving him a run for his money. All right, let's switch. Uh, put on your reader hat. I have these. Uh, Tracy Bame sent me these really super cool, the coloring book, the reader coloring book, and that uh, which uh, I'm getting a big kick out of. And Stone, the Chicago Reader 420 companion for coloring, cooking, and creating. Man, it's pretty cool. Stone is cool, and the reading coloring, the reader coloring book is uh, cool. Tell folks where they can get it to help the reader, because uh, we need uh, help too in the middle of this pandemic. Absolutely. ChicagoReader.com forward slash support. So if you can, if you go there, you'll be able to see all the ways that you can support the reader, including masks. We have some very cool masks. We have stoned. We have the limited edition reader puzzle and we have um, the coloring book and you can also subscribe to the reader. So I'm, I'm here at the reader right now and you can see um, the newest um, issue. It's a, a beautiful photo of our lines. I wonder if those masks are still there. I don't know. I know they got stolen once, but um, these, these are the reader is getting published bi-weekly now. Um, I wanted to point out that I am actually here at the reader, so I wanted to give you a little tour and show you the archives that exist here on Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm which is very cool. And also the Chicago reader puzzle. Oh yeah. Is right. Uh-huh, I see it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And there's the stone. Uh-huh. Book and the reader coloring book. So 50% of the proceeds for the coloring book goes back to the illustrators. And um, I also wanted to point out, that this is the first issue of the reader here. I believe it's volume number one. So volume number one, and this is the very first article of the Chicago Reader, and it's about Maxwell Street. Can you see it? Yeah, I see it. Oh, yeah. I know that car. I remember because that cover is on the wall at the reader, and it's, uh, yeah, Maxwell Street, the old uh, open-air market well, I don't know if anything exists anymore in the pan- age of the pandemic, but uh, man, what a flourishing market that used to be back in uh, on Sundays, every Sunday in, uh, on the near west side of Chicago. I, I just love flipping through these archives. It's a history. I mean, it really does show. Look at the um, ads, too. Mm. Ads. Wow, what are ads, Lenny? Ads. That's a uh, that's an old thing. Ads. I remember ads. Yeah. No, that's that's classic. That look at this is this is Old Town School of Music. Old Town School of Music has been in every issue since since this issue, the very first issue. So we want to shout out to the Old Town School of Music. Yeah. And here I've got Tracy Bame too. Tracy, what's going on? Hey you, there. You, you staying safe and sound? I am. I'm coming to the office every day. I'm glad Lenny's here because otherwise I'm pretty lonely. Um, but um, I'm really, you know, we made it through. 
the worst two months and um, I'm excited about how the team really came together here and how we've been donating ads to so many of our longtime advertisers. And it's, you know, it's really been a, a kind of a bonding experience out of desperation. Um, we haven't laid off anybody, which was my main mission. And um, I feel like, you know, it's going to be a tough road ahead and we'll have to make some tough choices, but um, it's really, you know, it was a challenging couple months and it'll still be for the next few months, but I'm really excited about how it all kind of came together. All right. We'll talk about some of the fundraising endeavors you've got going and promote them one more time. Well, if you go to chicagoreader.com slash support has all of what we have so far. So, so far that's two different um, coloring books. One is a more of an activities book on, on cannabis. Um, we have the puzzle, which is based on uh, Samantha Bailey's wonderful first cover of the COVID crisis. Um, and then um, we've got uh, a recipe book coming up soon. Lior Galil's collection of his top music articles over the last 10 years, that just went on sale. Um, and we have ways for people to straight up donate. Um, we're going to have a few more books coming out, hopefully Ben's collection coming out in June or so. So it's actually been really you know, exciting to do these different kinds of projects. Each of them have some beneficiary, like the stoned book, uh, Part Benefits is Chicago Host for the Homeless. Um, and we have the recipe books going to benefit some server organizations. So chicagoreader.com slash support is where people go as we add new products on there. And one thing I would definitely encourage people to do is subscribe to the paper, even short term. We've got a 12 week subscription for 50 bucks because every other week we're just doing a subscriber publication. It's not getting distributed. The, um, the issue this week is just available as a PDF download or for subscribers. And then um, next week goes to about 600 locations that are still open. We normally deliver to 1,200 locations, um, and we'll go back to that as soon as everything opens up again. So I would encourage people to subscribe or at least go to the website, and you can, under the Issues button, you can free PDF download of every week's paper. And the newsletter. Tell people about the newsletter. Uh, I, I love the newsletter. Yeah, the Daily Reader. You can go online and subscribe to um, the Daily Reader. And on Mondays is usually my publisher's column. Um, ben has his column, uh, like a short column on Tuesdays. Leor's usually Wednesdays. And then different writers rotate throughout. You know, it's a great way to stay connected. We always link the PDF downloads. We have advertisers on there that need your support. Um, there's other newsletters as well, like early warnings for music lovers on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. It's like, even though a lot of things are canceled now, there's a lot of live listings, live shows online that we're putting on. So um, all of our newsletters provide a different kind of benefit. Again, everything we do is free. We don't have a paywall. The paper's free. It's online free. What's really important is to have the support of readers, and the larger our email list is, the better for us in terms of getting advertisers to support the company. All right. One more time, uh, Tracy, give that email address out. Well, chicagoreader.com slash support. And if you go on our website, there's a way for you to sign up for our newsletters. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Tracy. Thank you very much, Lenny. And uh, Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Stay safe and sound. Will do.